We praise you, Lord. Amen, Lord. We do praise you. Every day that goes by, every second that goes by, you're in our thoughts. You're in our thoughts because of what you have done for us. Lord, we were lost and you found us. We were dead and you gave us life. We were headed for the kingdom of Satan and you brought us into the kingdom of God. Oh, what great and mighty God you are thinking of us. You could have just let us dangle down here in the hell that we created for ourselves. But you chose to come. You chose to redeem us. You chose to pay the price for our sins. And you chose to live within each of us that receive you as your as their Savior. Lord, we, we couldn't thank you enough. A hundred billion times wouldn't be enough. But now, praise be to your Son, Jesus, Father, who you sent. We can live forever with our loved ones. We know that our loved ones will follow us, Lord. We just thank you. We yes, praise Lord. your holy name, Lord. We want the world to know that all they have to do to be saved is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that their repentance would be unto that salvation that he provided so clearly at the cross. We think of that rugged cross, Lord. We can picture you hanging there. We can picture the sky being darkened. We can picture the earth quaking. We can picture that, that veil being torn in the temple, opening up the Holy of Holies to everyone who wishes to come. And we have to say, with the, with the centurion at the foot of the cross, who have probably seen hundreds of these crucifixions, he said, surely this is the Son of God. Amen. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. May everyone here today and those over the internet appreciate what you've done. And may they serve you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and love you in the same way. In Jesus' holy name, Father, we pray in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. 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 God bless you, church. You may be seated. For those of you online that just tuned in, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. Um, if you want to check us out online, go to our website, freedomchurchpb.org. Freedomchurchpb stands for palmbeach.org. You can find out all about us, what we believe in, where we're located. You can listen to messages from years back. You can even donate online should you be impressed by the Holy Spirit to do so. So we, we thank you for uh, tuning in today, and we pray that you stay with us. We're going to be in Matthew chapter uh, 9 today, Matthew chapter 9. I'm continuing our study through, our expositional study through the chapters of Matthew, and Matthew's uh, a beautiful uh, gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So anyway, for those online, we're here every Sunday at 10 a.m. You can tune in, freedomchurchpb.org. Every Thursday night, we're here at 7.15 p.m. We're studying in Romans right now. Um, we're in, still in Chapter 1. And um, on Saturday, men, if you're local, 9 a.m., we have a 
men's Bible study right here. So um, stop on by or tune in to us, and um, we'll be glad to have you. Let us know you're there. You can uh, text me or uh, email me. It would be at joe at freedomchurchpb.org. Just add the Joe in front, and that's it. We'd like to know what the Lord spoke to you today, if you received him as your Savior or whatever the Lord has has maybe told you. Um, so listen, we're in Matthew chapter 9. I named this chapter El Shaddai. And I'm going to tell you why. For those of you who don't know it, El Shaddai means God Almighty. We are going to see Jesus Christ perform only something that God Almighty could do, which will tell you that he is God Almighty <laughs> in the flesh. As I, I quoted earlier, if you were here in the early prayer, Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. And that, his power is powerful. There is no other uh, power other than the name of Jesus. You know that we sang a song, when he speaks, the very earth was created. The planets were created. And then this is, that's what we're going to see today. The Lord Jesus Christ proving to mankind that he is the Messiah. He is God Almighty in the flesh doing things that he that nobody else has ever done. So um, I'm going to do just a really, hopefully, quick review. I'm trying to drive this home because there's people, even Christians in church, that don't understand who he is or who he was and who he is right now, that he's alive and well in the kingdom of heaven, and he's interceding for us as the Holy Spirit speaks to us and trains us to walk in his ways. We learned um, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 7 and 8, you know, we learned that Jesus took a paralytic last week we studied this. He took a paralytic and, uh, and uh, he healed him, but not without, there was such a big crowd around the house that, that his friends, this paralytic, took, up his, their friend on a stretcher, and I guess gathering the four corners, they tore apart the roof to get this guy and lower him before Jesus. That's how much he, they loved their friend. That's how much they had faith that Jesus Christ could, could make this paralyzed man walk. And Jesus is going to drive home a point today, you know, in this, in this study that we're going to do. Jesus, if you remember right, the scribes and the Pharisees were there, and when the man was lowered before him, you know, Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees are irate. You've got to be kidding me. Who can forgive sins on earth except God? They were irate. But see, Jesus is God. Therefore, he is able to forgive sins on earth. And he wanted them to know that so they would understand who he was because he performed all kind of miracles already. You know, he, you know, he started out from this mountain trip that he came down from, I believe it's chapter 5. He laid his hands on a leper, and Luke, Dr. Luke tells us that this leper was full of leprosy. I mean, he's ready to go probably. His fingers were falling off. He might have lost his sight in, a, in one eye. He might have lost a limb because of leprosy. But Jesus actually shocked the people. He touched the leper. 
No fear in Jesus, is there? Touched the leper, and the leper was made whole right in front of everybody's eyes. Listen, Jesus tells him, after the Pharisees and the scribes got irate about this, he said, what's easier to do? To say, your sins are forgiven, to rise up and walk. But see, Jesus always turned things spiritually all the time. He took Nicodemus. Nicodemus was thinking born again in the flesh. How can that happen? Jesus said, well, you've got to be born again in the spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Nicodemus didn't get it. Chapter 4 of John, Jesus is at the well with the woman, the Samaritan woman. And she's talking about prayer and, and where what temple is true. And Jesus said to her, you know, that, that there's going to come a time you're not going to worship at any temple. You're going to be worshiped God in spirit and truth. And he told her everything that she had done as she ran into the city. This is the first evangelist was a woman. She ran into the city and told all the men that she was obviously uh, not a very well-liked woman, maybe a lady of the night. And she went in and told all her men friends about this guy, and they come out, and they said, listen, we don't care what you said about him anymore. We see him now. We know who he is. He's the Messiah. So Jesus says, just to please the Pharisees, I'll rise up and walk. But these two go together because who can say your sins are forgiven and then prove it by taking this paralytic and raising him up after tearing apart a roof? Did you notice that, you know, churches today, they fight over what color you're going to paint the church, you know, what color you're going to paint, put, what kind of carpet you're going to put in, you know. Um, it doesn't matter doesn't matter. Take out the carpet. If people were coming in to get saved and they're dirty in your new carpet, what's more important, the soul or your church carpet? You know, we need to stop fighting over this. The scribes and the Pharisees are looking for ways to get at Jesus. Jesus then told them, hey, the Son of Man has, has power, has power on earth to forgive sins. We have seen Jesus in chapter 8 and 9. We have, we're, we, in that chapter, there are consecutive miracles, one after the other, 12 of them. We've already went through about seven of them. We've seen Jesus do many miracles. And remember what I told you, it's very important. A miracle is a supernatural uh, activity that demonstrates or reveals a spiritual truth. Jesus is going to, going to may have miracles happen, and it's going to demonstrate a spiritual truth as to who he is. In this case, as we're going to see today, he's going to raise a 12-year-old little girl. He's going to prove to them who he is. He's the author of life. He can breathe life into people. He can just say to the, the, the little child, rise up and walk. Or awake is what he said. Miracles are a supernatural activity that reveals a spiritual truth. The spiritual truth that Matthew is driving home, you know, is that Jesus Christ is, is the Son of God. He's the King, actually, is, is what, what Matthew points to. Jesus is the King. He's the King of all kings, not just the King. He's the King of every king that ever listed, ever uh, lived. Jesus is proving he's a long, the long-awaited Messiah. But last week you found out the Jews didn't care about this guy getting healed. 
know what they cared about? They wanted, they wanted fire to drop out of heaven and destroy the Roman Empire so that they could be free once at last. They even told Jesus, he says, we've never been in bondage. Meanwhile, they were in bondage under Rome right now. Before that, they were in bondage under Greece. And before that, I think it was the Assyrians. And before that, it was the Persians. Come on, they've been in bondage. They just lied flat out to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he knows exactly what they, what they, uh, were, where they were in life. And when the multitude saw it, the scribes and Pharisees are upset. They wouldn't want the fire to come down. But the, the people, they, here's what the verse says in verse 8. It says, the multitude saw, saw it and marveled and glorified God. The multitudes. See, who has, you know what? If you don't have any compassion, then uh, don't be a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or don't preach the gospel. You have to have compassion. Compassion is important. Jesus had compassion for them all. The, the Pharisees wanted fire, fire to come down from heaven. You know what? Before I read the passage that we're going to be in, we're verse 18 through 26. But at this time, Israel was plagued with sickness. It was just plagued with sickness. They were, it was because of their unfaithfulness. Let me read you Exodus chapter 15. And verse 26, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, this is the Lord talking through Moses, you know, telling, telling them what they need to do. He said, if, if, pay attention, you, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. See, they weren't, they were greatly disobedient to the Lord. And the Lord had to lay down some ground, some uh, ground laws, which you know is the Ten Commandments. And if you could keep those Ten Commandments, you're doing pretty good, but I don't think you can. But you still have another 603 to follow because there's 613 commands in the Scriptures. So you aren't going to do it. You just aren't going to do it on your own. You have to have a Savior, and that's why Jesus has come to earth. But he said to me, you know, I'm gonna, I can restore you. You know, I am the Lord who heals you. And we learned that when he healed the leper. He said, he, you know, he, wa he was... Jehovah Rapha, he was showing his identity as Jehovah Rapha, our healer. This is why Messiah is demonstrating to Israel that he is Jesus. He's demonstrating Jehovah Rapha. He's just demonstrating several, several, I'm going to go over them shortly, but Jesus is revealing God's true nature. God wants to heal. God loves you. God wasn't going to throw some disease on, on you or like you wouldn't throw a disease on your children. God's original, his original character is love, compassion, grace, and mercy. Before the law was established, you know, Cain killed Abel and God didn't kill Abel, Cain. God put a mark on him so nobody would kill him. That's mercy. That's grace. He, put, he instituted the Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments, because Israel was so disobedient. 
He's trying like a teacher putting putting a, a, a ru- unruly child in a corner. Just tell him, hey, listen, if, if, you don't, if you don't obey me, I'm going to try to make you obey me. So he'd come up with these laws. But here, here God has shown, and even in the days of Jesus, you know, today, God's showing you, oh man, what is good. He's showing you what the Lord requires of you. He says it's to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before the Lord. Not fire and brimstone to come down and consume sinners. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe would not perish but have eternal life. He wishes that none would perish and all would come to repentance. That's what God's will is. God is a God of mercy and love. He might get your attention and allow the devil, like you know that, you know, Job, God approached Job, uh, the devil approached God about Job, and God allowed it. You know, anytime something bad happens to you, the enemy has to go through God to even do it. And I have a, I have a hunch in my spirit, a lot of times, most of the time, God says, no way, you ain't touching Joe, you aren't touching Bill, you aren't touching Harry. God wants us to do justly. These scribes and Pharisees weren't. He wants them to love mercy. They had no mercy on this guy. I don't know, first thing you would do is jump up and down. But it might have been your friend that Jesus just healed, said, take up your bed and walk. They were probably disappointed when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. He wasn't walking until Jesus said, rise and walk. Jesus came to save the lost, even Rome. And these miracles, you notice Jesus ministered to the humble, to the sick. And Israel, again, was plagued with sickness. The the scribes and the Pharisees should have realized who Jesus was as he performed these miracles. He was revealing his identification as to who he is. So far, I'm going to go through it quick. So far in chapter 8 and in the beginning of chapter 9, we saw Jesus as Jehovah Rophe, Rophe, which is the, the Lord that heals thee. He healed the leper. He was wasting away with leprosy. And leprosy is a picture of sin in the Bible. Leprosy rots you from the inside out. Now you're to a point where your fingers can fall off, your nose can fall off. And that's what sin does. Sin rots you away from the inside. When lust is conceived, when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and when sin is full-grown, it brings forth death. That's a continual downward spiral, and that's the way leprosy was. These Jews should have got it. Jesus told that leper to go to the scribes and the Pharisees and offer the sacrifice. When they went there to say, hey, Jesus healed me of leprosy, they had to get their scrolls out and find out, how do you do this? Nobody ever else ever, ever healed leprosy before. They had to get their scrolls out. They should have got attention right there. This guy is someone special. Nicodemus knew it. He said, I know you're from God. If you weren't from God, you wouldn't be able to do these things. And he heard about it. Then we saw him, Jesus, you know, uh, take the centurion's servant who was crying. He says, you know, I'm not worthy you come under my roof. This is, Jesus is revealing himself as Jehovah Shammah. The God who is there. You know why I say that? Because Jesus wasn't even in the house when the centurion servant. He was already there, even though he was walking about in the flesh. 
He was already there. He's Jehovah Shema. He's Jehovah Nisi, Peter's mother-in-law. She was sick. She had a fever, a great fever. And, the, and, and Jesus was her banner of victory. He touched her and raised her up. He, he reveals himself as Jehovah Rohi. Rohi. And, he, and these, these two men said, let me, I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus said, you know, foxes have holes and birds of their hair have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It's Jehovah. He's revealing himself as Jehovah Rophe. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. They wanted to follow after him, but he knew that they weren't ready. He says, oh, we're not going to follow you now. I'm going to go home and bury my dad, and then I'll come follow you. In other words, he was saying, I've got to wait till my dad's dead to get my inheritance, and then I'll follow you. He reveals himself as Jehovah Shalom when he's out in the boat in the sea, and the disciples had to wake him up because he was resting in peace in the Father in the back of the boat, and a storm came up, and even these five fishermen went to a carpenter to find out what to do. And Jesus said this, peace be still. And the waves calmed immediately, and the waves and the, and the, the winds calmed immediately. Now, I know I've been out in the ocean, uh, ocean and I've been out in Lake Erie many times, and a lot of lakes, and I, I prayed that you know, the, it would calm down, but it wouldn't. Now, who is this guy? That even the wind and the sea obey him. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's, he brings you peace. That's why Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat. He was peaceful. Number six, he's Jehovah Makadesh, Legion. He's the Lord that sanctified or set apart the, the two demoniacs, and the one was named Legion. And I told you, a legion was 6,000 Roman soldiers, a legion, if we're going by Roman standard. It's 6,000. There were 2,000 sheep on the hill. Each of those sheep got, or pigs, each of those pigs got three demons apiece. And they were smart enough to run off the cliff because they didn't want no demon inhabiting them. He identifies himself in the healing of this paralytic as God our righteousness. And when he said to you, your sins are forgiveness, forgiven. Jesus forgave them, and they, they are forgiven. We saw him also, last chapter, as Jehovah Elroy. Jesus saw into their hearts. And Jesus Elroy means God who sees. He saw that the Pharisees were questioning this. And he said, why do you, why do you think evil in your hearts? He, was already, he already was there. He was already sees what these guys were doing. Today, I'm going to read chapter 9, verse 18 through 26. But I want you to know, Jesus is, is here. Um, he's, he's going to be approached by a woman. He's going to be approached by a centurion. He's multitasking in this, in this, uh, this passage that I'm going to read. But we're just going to break up the one passage for now, and that's going to be the, uh, the healing of Jairus' daughter. Verse 18, Matthew chapter 9. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him. That's important. Worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, 
but come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly, here comes the multitask, and suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and he saw her and said to her, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made, was made well from that hour. Now we're going to continue back to the ruler's house. When Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. And he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead. She's sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when, the crowd put out, when he put the crowd outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the little girl arose. And the report of this went out into all the land. See, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the people had no excuse. And neither does anybody today in this world, especially America. We're saturated with the gospel, but yet we don't really pay attention to it. It's just, oh, that's, oh, that's nice. No, it's, listen, Jesus died for you. He hung on a cross. He was brutally beat up. He was whipped, they say, 39 times. I, I'm telling you, he could have been whipped 100 times because this was Roman rule. And Roman didn't stop at 39 like the Jews would. He could have. He was so a bloody mess that the passion of the Christ doesn't even do it justice if you saw that movie. He was unrecognizable, according to Isaiah. That's how bad he was beat up. Jesus is going to reveal himself right here. And if we read those last two verses, he is revealing himself now as El Shaddai, God Almighty, the only powerful one that can raise the dead. You know, Elijah rose the dead. Elisha raised the dead. Peter even raised Eutychus after Christ was crucified, resurrected, and resurrected. But you know what? Elijah had to go through this big rigmarole in order to do it. He had to, I'm going to just take Elisha. I'll take Elisha, the widow's, uh, not the widow, but uh, I forget her name, Seraphonician woman. Her, her son died. She laid him on the bed, went and and sent for Elisha. He comes there. He finds that the kid is dead up in the upper room in bed, and he had to go through a big rigmarole. He, he got on top of him, hand to hand, foot to foot, eye to eye, nose to nose, mouth to mouth, and he, and he prayed. And then he got up, and he, and he walked around, and he prayed. And then he got back on the little boy, and, and, and mouth to mouth, hand to hand, eye to eye, nose to nose, and... and the guy, the little boy got warm, and he started to open up his eyes. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus goes to this lady, this young girl we're going to find out, and there was no rigmarole whatsoever because this is the Lord who heals her. This is El Shaddai, God Almighty. He's the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. If you're a believer and accept Jesus as your Savior, lives in you. So we should be encouraged. That God has, has uh, protected us, and God has, has uh, really done great things for us. 
You can find uh, El Shaddai in Genesis chapter 17. I'm going to read it for you. Genesis chapter 17, 1 through 5. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make a covenant between you and me and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and asked, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a, the father of many nations. I am God Almighty. That's the first time it appears in the Bible. He is God Almighty. We should have known that from Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, you know, the, you know the verses, and I love to drive this home so that everybody knows that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He was with the Father in the beginning. The Genesis 1-1 says, the, God, the, the Lord God hoovered over the face of the water. He says, in the beginning of time, that's a Greek word, uh, not a he- Greek word, it's a Hebrew word, breshit, and breshit means the beginning of time. Here, so let's read it the way it is. In the beginning of time, God, which is Elohim, by the way, in, in, in um, Hebrew. Elohim is the plural version of the word El. You notice that here, God is El Shaddai. That means God Almighty. Okay? So, he calls, you know, he, he's Elohim. El is the singular version for God. But in the, in the scriptures, the Spirit of God, I mean, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth, beginning of time. It's, it's Elohim. The word there is Elohim. That means that we're looking at the plural version of, of uh, the name of God. So right there it tells you that it opens up the opportunity for the Trinity to exist. In the very first word, book, uh, verse, first verse of the Bible. Verse 2 says, the Holy Spirit hoovered over the face. Uh, let me let me pull that. I'm getting messed up on that. I don't know why, but I am. In the beginning, Breshith, God, Elohim, plural version, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Verse 2 here, and the Spirit of God hoovered over the face of the water. Now we see God, now we see His Spirit. So the third verse, of course, it says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. You read your Bible. Who is Jesus? Uh, is He called the Word of God? Isn't He the Word of God? And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's the Word. So here we got the Father in verse 1, the Spirit in verse 2, the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 3. Right from the beginning of the Bible. There's no excuse for anybody not to know Jesus Christ. You can't blow it away. Every time you find what you think is a discrepancy in the Bible, I'm going to tell you this. Admit you're wrong and find out the answer. Admit you're wrong. It's just the way it is. He's the mighty one of Jacob. Let's see how he does this with the ruler's daughter. In Luke chapter 8, we find out that this is 
This ruler is Jairus. And Jairus is a synagogue ruler. And after the Jews came back from their 70-year deportation to Babylon, um, they began to set up synagogues. And a synagogue consisted of 10 Jewish men. And he was one of those rulers. And those men are highly respected, like you would respect a pastor or a priest. They were highly respected. So he was, listen, the scribes and the Pharisee wanted Jesus crucified. They wanted him out of the way. But this Pharisee or scribe or synagogue ruler, he doesn't care anything. It's amazing how death has you refocus. It's amazing. Here's what 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10 says. Let me read it for you. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus brought immortality. He brought life to you and me. He said, I'm the resurrection and life. Whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he says, do you believe this? Do you over the internet believe this? Do you here today believe this? You've got to make a choice. If you don't make no choice, it's a no choice. Miracle number 10. Jesus is multitasking here. While he spoke these things to them, behold, the ruler came. He's talking to the, to the people. The ruler came, listen, and he worshipped him. And he worshipped him. Now, do you know that in the scriptures, and I've searched the scriptures on this, Jesus never, ever, ever re re refused worship. Never. Even before he was resurrected or after he was resurrected, he always accepted worship. And that's why Nicodemus said to him, you have to be from God. How could you do these things? How could you heal a leper? How, you know, this here passage, you're going to raise a dead girl? Jesus accepts worship, yet the Father says this in his word. He says, I will share my glory with no one, yet Jesus accepts worship. Doesn't that tell you who he is? We need to get refocused. Everybody, and Christians today need to refocus and find out and remember who this is. This is the King of Kings. That blood that was flowed down from the cross and onto the ground was the blood of Almighty God that was made flesh for you and for me. Isaiah 42, 7 and 8, I just quoted part of it. You know, as I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will give to no other as a light to the Gentiles to open blind eyes. Isn't that what Jesus is doing? To bring out prisoners. Those who sit in darkness will bring out, and I will bring out from the prison's house those in prison. Listen, this is why he came. He came to wake the nation of Israel up, to bring healing to them, because that's his nature. God doesn't want to strike anybody dead. I've actually done that in my early years. I've raised my fist up to God and said, you know, if you're, you know, and, and if you can strike me dead, 
I didn't fear God at all in those days. I do now. But you know what? Nobody that I know of ever got struck dead when they said that. You know why? Because that's not God's nature. It's not God's nature. In other words, God is our Savior. God in Christ is our Savior, I should say. Notice that Luke, I'm going to read Luke, verse um, chapter 8, verse 40 and 41. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at his feet and begged him to come to his house. Listen, death had entered Jairus' house, and he fell down on his knees because that can bring you down. That can bring you down. But you need to look up at that point. Because the Lord is waiting. He's there. This is Jairus' daughter. As I mentioned, he's a synagogue official. So he's like an elder in a church, whether he be a pastor or one of the elder boards. Luke says also that this little lady was brought life and laughter into the home. Now Jairus' house is full of sorrow and pain. And also, he tells us that Jairus' daughter is 12 years old. She's just a young lady. Just a young lady. So we get other details from the other Gospels as we study something. A lot of people say, look at that. The Scriptures are wrong. There's a discrepancy here. No, no. You're, just, you're, in, you're in a courtroom, and there's witnesses. There's witness number one. There's witness number two. There's witness number three. And they all come and give more information. That's all that Luke is doing. That's all that Matthew's doing and giving you more information. He risked it. In order to come to Jesus and ask Jesus to heal his daughter, he was risking his very career. He didn't care. You know why? Love. He loved his daughter. He didn't care. If he would have got if he would have been like our Savior Lord Jesus, he would have even been crucified to raise his daughter from the dead, because that's what a man a house a man will do. He'd rather die first and let the child live. That's the way God created us. Because why? Because that's his nature. He'd rather him die than you. And that's why he came on the cross and bore our sins and paid a penalty. Death has sunk its teeth into his family. And it's amazing as what some of you here today, you can experience that. It's amazing what what does to you. So death brings people to their knees. And I'll tell you what, every time I do a memorial, I preach the gospel. Last memorial I did here, it was this place was packed. And there were pastors from other churches in the area. And one of them came up to me and says, Thank you, Pastor Joe, for preaching the gospel. Because I don't want any of you to perish either. I want you all to have eternal life. Like me, I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm absolutely sure of it. It's not because I'm righteous. because He was righteous. And I believe it. And I know it. And I've accepted it. I've been places and done things that people wouldn't even... Uh, that people wouldn't believe it if I told them. But I'm not that person anymore. That person died when I was 27. I got a new life. I was born again. 
and my nature completely changed. I had to work on a lot of it, though. And get rid of the alcohol, the drugs, the beer, you know, you name it. The, the mouth, the tongue, you, you name it. I had to get rid of it all. Jairus didn't care of his, his Hebrew religious status. The only one thing could help him was Jesus. And he did the right thing. He went to Jesus. He obviously heard about Jesus, or he wouldn't have sent for him, or wouldn't have gone chasing after him. Or maybe somebody said, hey, a rabbi's over there, Jesus. We, we think he's the Messiah. Why don't you go to him? Maybe he can raise her up. Let me read you something I pulled out of a, a commentary of mine. Much can be learned from the way people react to death closing in on themselves or on someone close to them. Fifteen years before his death, Grandi, Grandi wrote, I must tell you in all humility that Hinduism, as I know it entirely, satisfies my soul. It fills my whole being, and I find solace in it that I find nowhere else. But three weeks before he died, this is what he said. However, he made this last journal entry. My days are numbered. I am not likely to live very much longer, perhaps a year, maybe a little more. For the first time in my 50 years, I find myself in the slow of despond and in total depression. You know what Hinduism did for him? Nothing. You know what Jesus can do for you? Everything. Everything. You know what? Someday soon, I hope it's very soon, that death and Hades are going to be th the last enemies to be destroyed and thrown into the lake of fire. And I'm gonna, I can't wait for that day. I tell everybody I'm going to be jumping higher than Michael Jordan. Aaron just, I, can't, I hate death. I hate, I hate, I just hate it. Hades, who wants to go to hell? You know, the world tells you you're going to have a Budweiser down there or something. Listen, you ain't going to even see anybody. Not according to what the Word of God says. You're going to be there by yourself. You might as well be blind because you're not going to, you might hear them all screaming. Because, you know why they're screaming? Because they rejected the Lord of glory. This is God. We've got to wake up. This is Jesus Christ. This is, this is God in the flesh, known as Jesus the Christ, called the Anointed One, the Messiah of Israel. That was God's there dying on the cross for you and me so that our sins could be forgiven. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Then that's the second death. The second death. You and I that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're, this flesh is going to die, but your spirit's going to live on. Then when Jesus comes back in the rapture, the dead in Christ are going to be rise, rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we'll always be with the Lord. So we're going to be resurrected someday. We, don't, we have a hope beyond hope. We know it. I know I'm going to see my mom and dad someday. I know I'm going to see my loved ones that passed away. But hell and, hell and Hades, death and Hades are going to be thrown into fire. I cannot wait till that day. Do you realize that even the devil is going to be thrown into the lake of fire before death and Hades? And you know what? You would think God Almighty is going to come up and grab Satan by the shoulders and put him in chains and throw him into the, the, the bottomless pit. 
Or is it a lake of fire? You know who does it? One angel. One angel takes Satan and, you know, and throws him into the lake of fire. So, you know what? The Bible says that, you, the, you know, the, your angels will bear you up. Psalm 91 hints to the fact that you have guardian angels. Not one angel that could throw the devil himself into the lake of fire. At least two angels. So you are well protected. You just got to live in the spirit and wake up to these facts. You got to know your Bible. You got to read it. Verse uh, 18, 19 came. They came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. How did he know that Jesus laid hands on people? How did he know that? He wanted to, he wanted to, they, what can I say? They had no doubt. Jairus had no doubt. He said, just, you just come and lay your hands on her. I know she'll live. He must have heard about Jesus, as I said. He left home. Seeking Jesus in tears and in brokenness, I'm sure, as you would do if you lost your 12-year-old daughter. He heard Jairus just laid his hands on people, and they were healed immediately like that leper. Jesus came, verse 23, into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, and he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Jesus always used that term, sleeping. He even told the disciples, he said, um, you know, uh, Lazarus is sleeping. The disciples said, well, it's okay. We'll wake him up when we get there. He said, no, he's dead. According to you, he's dead. In God's eyes, you're just sleeping if you're dead. But your spirit's with him. So your body's resting in sleep, just like Jesus' body rested in the tomb. He was out and about doing things, wasn't he? Ephesians tells us that he descended and he ascended and he brought the captives, he held the captives, he took the captives that were captive and led them into the kingdom of heaven and gave gifts to men. He was out and about doing things. That was his spirit, man. But three days later, he entered back into his body. That's a picture of the, the, the uh, rapture. His life comes back into the body and will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. They ridiculed him. These people in the house, they knew that this girl was dead. You can't sit there and say, I don't think she was dead. They knew she was dead. They had the liar players there. You know, they, they ridiculed Jesus. They laughed at him. One version says, they, the uh, Jewish version says they jeered at him. Jeered means to scorn, to badmouth, to scoff, to tease. Jesus is speaking of death as it's sleep. One day the body will be awakened, as I said. Our bodies will be resurrected. That's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. He starts out this way. But I do not want you to be in uninformed, brethren, or ignorant, brethren, about those who have fallen asleep, so that you will not grieve as the rest of the world and have no hope. We have a hope. We have a living hope, says Peter, about Jesus as our living hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain will caught up to meet the there. Those <laughs> are alive and remain will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise. For isn't that good news? 
We're going to heaven, church, if you believe in Jesus. And that's all you have to do. Who cares if your friends say, say, say you're a Jesus freak? Ask them whose freak they are. They say you're a holy ruler. Say, uh, how do you spell that? Oh, R-U-L-E-R. Ruler, because you reign with Christ. The scriptures are clear. If I'm a freak for Jesus, I, I just guess who they are. No one in this house believed Jesus. They made fun of him. You know what he did? He put the unbelievers outside. You know why? Because that unbeliever can change the, the response of the prayer. Jesus said in uh, Luke 20, 11, 23, he says, Have faith in God. If you say to this mountain, he didn't say, you tell the mountain to move. He said, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and if you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you prayed will happen, God will grant it. It takes faith. Faith that's way above what you and I could, could probably muster up, I guess. Because I always pray, Lord, help my unbelief. And you see men in the Scripture saying the same thing. Notice what Jesus does. He removes the doubters. He removes the scorners. He removes the mockers. And evidently, he's there by himself. They laughed at him because they were sure she was dead. It was a fact. What they didn't know was that nothing is impossible for El Shaddai. Nothing is impossible for God Almighty. Jesus is God, and he will soon reveal it to them. If your daughter was dead and this man named Jesus came and raised your daughter up, would you be a follower of Jesus Christ? You better believe you would. If you, if you weren't, you are the hardest-hearted person I've ever seen in the world. Luke tells us, Jesus said to the little girl, he took her by the hand and said to the girl, Arise. Luke tells us this is what he says. He says it more in a loving way. And Luke, Luke, uh, Luke is very detailed, okay? He's a doctor. He's detailed. He wants to know all the intimate facts about what kind of disease they have and all that. So Luke tells us that Jesus said this in a loving way. Here's what he said according to Luke. My little lamb, I say to you, arise. It wasn't like, arise. No, it was like, hey, my little lamb, I'm your shepherd. Rise. And she opened up her eyes. She wasn't dead probably very long, but she was dead. Jesus has now revealed to this crowd and to the crowd at Jairus' house who he is. Jesus has just revealed himself as El Shaddai, God Almighty. Who else could raise the dead? Only God Almighty. Like I said, we know that Elisha did, and Elisha did, and Paul did, the Eutychus, and Acts. But they went through a big rigmarole. Jesus just said, my little lamb, arise. Beautiful word. That's the way I picture Jesus. He was strong, but he was very compassionate. Now that you know these things as to who Jesus is, all those of you online and those of you here, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You have to suck up your bootstraps or suck up your belly, grab the courage that you have, and walk forward and say, I am now a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will follow him wherever he goes. 
Now that you know these things, you have something to do. The scriptures are very clear. But as many as received Christ, to them he gave you the right to become a child of God, even to those that believe on his name. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, not your head, you will be saved. A lot of people raise their hand in church today. They accept the Lord Jesus, but it wasn't with their heart. It was with their intellect. And when they walk out the door, they're the same hellbound sinner they were because they didn't use their heart. Jesus don't care about your heart. It's all through the Old Testament. Samuel was told by God, don't look at the outward appearance. Go to Jesse's, um, Jesse's house, and I'm going to anoint a king out of there. They, they got all the big guys, the good-looking ones, the strong ones, the mighty warriors, and it wasn't him. And to the point where Samuel says, this your la- all your sons? He says, yeah, but there's, there's a little scrawny guy out in the field watching the shepherds. He said, go get him. He came in and God, you know, Samuel anointed David. He was just a little scrawny wimp. And he tackled Goliath with a sling and a stone. Now, a lot of people believe that Samson was this big muscular guy. No, he wasn't. He was a normal guy, just like you or me, you know, just a normal guy. How else would they say when he pulled the pillars over or carried the gate out of the city, and they, they saw this big muscular guy like the Hulk Hogan, and they say, oh, he's strong enough to do that. But if I carried it out of the city and threw it 15 feet or 25 feet down the road and killed lions with it, whatever he did, you know, you're going to say, where did Joe get all that power? And Joe could say, him, him. As I said earlier, John eleven twenty five, Jesus said, I am. In Greek, ego, imi. Here's what ego, imi means. Ego means I, imi means I am. So here's Jesus. I, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even if he dies. Do you believe this? Yes? No? Maybe so? Is a no. So if you believe, I tell you right now, it's time to come and bow your heart before the Lord. It's written in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. In the, in the day of your trouble, I helped you, says God. Behold, now is the day of your salvation. So do it. And don't be ashamed. Gather up your courage. Be strong. The altar's open. Now I'm going to close in prayer. If anybody wants to come up, then come on up. Anybody over the Internet has received Christ as their Savior with all their heart, please send me an email, joe at freedomchurchpb.org, so we can rejoice with the angels in heaven that are jumping up and right jumping up and down right now in praise to our Lord God who saved us from our sins. Father, today we thank you, Lord, for your message, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we just we are getting all kind of lessons from from your word, Lord. We're growing deeper and stronger in your in you, Lord, and we want to continue that till the days of our our earthly travel are done. Lord, we love you with all of our heart. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for going to the cross for us. Thank you for paying the 
penalty for our sins. We thank you for this word that is before us in a, in a love letter to your people. Lord, we thank you and praise you, and we give you the glory. And Lord, draw anybody up right now, whether they be on the internet or here. Draw them to the altar to receive you as their Savior, and to you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all. And I know it's just saying that I do. Amen. Altar's open.